The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. It's a series that we're actually putting together um, called What's God Like? And uh, we're going to be doing it as a 15 part series in Connect Groups once we get all the recording done. And it's all about helping people understand what God is really like. So this three-part series on three revelations that has the potential to change your life is, is all about understanding that God is with us, God is for us, and God is in us. And so this week, we're just going to cover this revelation that God is with us. You know, one of the blessings that I have is that I was brought up in a Christian home. What an incredible blessing. But on another level, not only was I brought up in a Christian home, I was brought up in a Pentecostal home. And on another level, not only was I brought up in a Christian home, in a Pentecostal home, but in an Italian Pentecostal home. Just adds a whole new meaning to your spirituality. And uh, my, my mother is uh, the daughter of a Pentecostal preacher. And, um, and, and so I was brought up in the atmosphere of faith and miracles and prayer. Um, that prayer was just all around. And in those days, we would pray on our knees. And it was just all the time. And we'd pray long and hard. And, and I was just brought up in that atmosphere. And the atmosphere that I was brought up was, I believe in God. But not only do I believe in God, I believe in a supernatural God that works in our lives now. And so we believed in healing. We believed that if you were sick, you'd get prayed for. And so it was really, really tough as a little kid to fake sickness. How many of you know that sometimes kids fake sickness? Come on, be honest. Come on, let's show our hands. Has anybody ever faked sickness? Yeah, yeah, of course. The rest of you are liars and we know that, but it's okay. God will forgive you. But uh, I'll never forget this particular day that I, I was taking a sickie from school and who should turn up to do a pastoral visit but our pastor. And so I'm faking the sickness and, and he's coming to pray for me. And I'm thinking God's going to strike me dead for sure, man. I just picked the wrong day to be sick. And <laughs> but anyway, this is the atmosphere of miracles, the atmosphere of faith, the atmosphere of God is present and God is able. So I really believe I've got a head start on that. And can I just say to you parents, just raise up kids in that atmosphere uh, just raise them up in an atmosphere of faith where they are raised up just believing that God heals the sick. And so every Sunday here we pray for the sick. We just believe in that. We believe in a supernatural God. And the reason we believe in a supernatural God is because we have a revelation of this scripture in Matthew 1.23 that God is with us. So let's read it together. Sometimes we only read this at Christmas, but it's a great revelation. And uh, it says this in verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated 
God, God with us. I want you to just underline the word with. Because sometimes it's God was with us or God will be with us. And sometimes we live in the past or the future. But the revelation of this verse is God with us now. Now, context, very fascinating context. It's the first book of the New Testament. The last time that God had spoken prophetically was through the prophet Malachi. And that was over 400 years previously. And so for 400 years, between four to 500 years, God had basically been silent. There was no prophetic revelation. Between Malachi, who was the last Old Testament prophet um, that we have recorded in the Old Testament, and then the, then the very, very last Old Testament prophet, which was John the Baptist, even though he only appears in the New Testament, he was still an Old Testament prophet. There's a gap of about 450, 500 years with silence. God's saying nothing. How many of you have ever been in a situation where God's been silent and God says nothing? And you know, can I just say to you that sometimes we do live in a space where God says nothing. And I've been in spaces where God hasn't said much to me at all. And my attitude is, I just go on the last thing that God has said. I just go and say, you know, God, if you want to speak to me now, I'm, I'm open to hear. But if you're not speaking to me, then I'll just take for granted that I'm to do the last thing that you told me to do. And I'll just relax in that. And if things change, I know I'll be the first to know. How many of you know that there is faith right there? See, lack of faith is, why aren't you speaking to me? And we just throw everything out the window when the Bible is clear that there are seasons where God is silent. And so just relax. If, if you've got something new to do, then God will tell you. But if there's nothing new to do, just keep doing the old thing that you're supposed to do. And uh, that's a wonderful thing, just to be able to relax in that. And so you got this gap, silence. And then God gives this incredible revelation. I'm coming to visit, and I'm coming to visit with this incredible revelation that I am with you. And so Jesus appears on the scene and his name is God with us. Wow. God with us. Seriously. Seriously. Let me ask you this question. Seriously. Are you ready for this question? You're either going to say ouch or you're going to say wow. But it's going to be a very serious question to ask. Do, do you really live in the revelation 24-7 that God is with you. Because this morning, I want to open up this thought so that you will live in the revelation that 24-7 God is with you. Too often we live in the revelation that God will be with me. That somewhere in the future, I'll experience his presence. 
Sometimes we live in the past testimonies. And I love testimonies of the past where God was with us and God did do something wonderful in our lives. And we talk about that, how God was with me. God will be with me. But today the revelation is, let's not talk about the past. Let's not talk about the future. Let's talk about the present. God is with you. He said, but John, I'm in the middle of a storm. I'm in the middle of turmoil. I'm in the middle of tempest. God is with you. (laughs) You know, I I tell you, the story that really always just, just tickles me is the story of, you know, the disciples are crossing the lake. And, you know, Jesus is in the boat, but he's sleeping. How many of you love that story? And how many of you know that when people sleep, they're silent. They're not saying anything. And so here's Jesus in the boat, asleep. And there's the storm all around them. And the disciples are frantic. They're chucking the water out. They're stressing out. They're looking at the winds. They're looking at the waves. They're pulling their hair. They're doing all sorts of things. How many of you have been in a situation like that? And then they get angry. And who do they get angry with? They get angry with Jesus. And they're saying, can't you see that we're dying? Can't you see that? And you're sleeping. Why does someone sleep in the middle of the tempest when they're God? Well, let me tell you why they're asleep. Because it's all in control. It's, it's all in order. It's, it's okay. We're not going to die. But can't you see? I can. And I know the outcome. That's why I'm sleeping. I'm relaxed. And I think sometimes in the midst of your storm, the best thing for you to do is get a pillow and go to sleep. What do you reckon? Huh? So when your friend is stressed out, just go to the bedroom, get him a pillow, give it to them and say, my advice to you is what Pastor John told me on Sunday. Here's a pillow, go to sleep. Because God's got this. God's with you. God's with you. That's his name. God with us. God with you. You, you. you need to turn to the person next to you and say, God is with you. So, now, let, let, how many of you want to go a bit deeper? You want to go a bit deeper? Okay, so the name of Jesus is not just Emmanuel... That's God with us. But Jesus is actually the Yahweh that is revealed to us in the Old Testament. How many of you know that, that Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, uh, that, that the Jewish people weren't, wouldn't even pronounce? It was, so, it was so solemn to them. And so what, what happened in the 16th century is that two words got combined together, Yahweh and Adonai. And when you put the two words together, you come up with the word Jehovah. And so the word Jehovah that we use today was never used back in the days of Jesus. It was Yahweh, but it was a, it was a name so holy that they would just use the word Lord. And so when you look in the Old Testament and you see the word Lord in capital letters, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. And so, and so it's used over 6,000 times in the Bible, the word Yahweh. And so Moses was the first one that got a revelation as to what Yahweh meant. 
And so how many remember the story of Moses at the burning bush where, where he's given the divine commission to go and set the people free? And, and you can find this in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And he says, who, who will I say sent me? And have a read what, what Yahweh says because this is the first revelation that is ever given in the Bible of what Yahweh means. In verse, it says, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he says, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Wow. I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. What an incredible revelation that Yahweh means I am. And here it is, the name of Jesus, God with us. I am. And we've got to get this into our spirit that God is not past, God is not future, God is present. And because he's present, he is past and future. But the greatest revelation is not God in the past, God in the future, but God in the present. I am. And wherever you are, I am is with you. Now, let's go a little bit deeper. You want to go a little bit deeper? Turn to John chapter 8. John spoke about the first stoning that was about to happen in John chapter 8 with the adulterous woman. But at the end of John chapter 8, there's another stoning that's about to happen And that's not against the adulterous woman, but against Jesus, the blasphemer. This is the same Jews that were very legalistic. They wanted to stone the woman for adultery, but they wanted now to stone Jesus for blasphemy. Why is that? Because in John chapter 8, verse 58, this is what Jesus said. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, what does he say about himself? You know what Jesus was saying right there? I am Yahweh. I am the incarnation of Yahweh. And the Jews understood what he meant, and that's why they want to stone him. Come on, these people that try to teach you that Jesus is not God don't understand the New Testament. They've not read this. This is Jesus actually admitting that he was Yahweh. The manifestation of God in the flesh. We call it the incarnation. It is the foundation stone of the Christian faith. That God is one, but he exists in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when Jesus came, he came as God with us. Emmanuel. He came as Yahweh. I am. I am with you. Not I was. Not I will be. But I am. And when we get the revelation that I am is with us wherever we go, wherever we go, whatever situation, God is there. What have you to fear? What have you got to be stressed about? I am. But I'm facing. You don't know what I'm facing. Well, God knows and and hasn't scared him. He hasn't run off. He's with you. But, but, But I don't sense him. Well, maybe he's asleep because he's got it all in control. Do you know what? For me, that gives me a greater sense of the miraculous that he's asleep in my situation than him being awake, trying to be stressed like I am. 
He is so cooled and chilled that he can sleep through my, my struggle because he's got it. How awesome is that? Turn to the person next to you and say, he's got it. Now, this is the beautiful thing about the Apostle John, is that he's got this I am, Jesus, Yahweh, I am. How many of you want to go a little bit deeper? You want to go a bit deeper? Let's go a bit deeper. And so what the Apostle John then does is that he opens up the I am, the Yahweh, the incarnation, and gives us practical ways that I am can manifest in your life. So let's have a look at the seven I ams in John. And so John chapter 6, verse 48. You know this. I am the bread of life. But what happens sometimes is that we don't see the I am in capital letters. Not, we, we, we kind of say, well, well, I am. But this is not I am little letters. This is I am capital letters. This is I am Yahweh. I am. And John did this specifically. He wasn't just, well, fancy that. It's not. Let, let, those that want to go deep, it's there. And seven times in the book of John, he, he actually introduces Jesus as the Yahweh. I love this. I am the bread of life. Now, gang, what, what Jesus was referring to there, and they, they could all understand it. It's, it, it. There's this reference of when they were in the wilderness, and they were basically out there, and they were vulnerable. How many of you know that for three million people to go into the wilderness, you become incredibly vulnerable? How many of you know that for three million people in the wilderness, you're going to run out of food very fast? Okay. And so, and so here's God saying, but I've got you. I've got this. But where are we going to find food? Where, where are we going to find this? It's my problem. I've led you here. And so what happened is that manna rained down from heaven. Ranna, manna rained down from heaven. And then Jesus says, I'm the manna that's come down from heaven. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one who gives you life. And the revelation here is this, is that in every situation, God is your provider. What have you got to fear when God says, I am, I am with you. I am there. I'm in your situation, but not just as someone who's done a miracle in the Old Testament for some people, but I am in your situation to provide for you. What an incredible revelation. I am your provider. Then, then, then there's another revelation of Jesus in John. I am the light of the world in John chapter 9 verse 5. I am, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So what was Jesus trying to say here? I'm your illumination. I'm your illuminator. I am the one that shines the light in your path. What an incredible thing it is to live in Revelation. How many of you remember before you were saved? Can, can you remember before you were saved? How many of you understand before you were saved, you were walking in darkness? And maybe some of you that are sitting here right now, you don't get one word that I'm saying. It's like, blah, 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 straight over the top. But for others of you, it's like, as these words come out, they're words of life. It's like, wow, 
See, that's called Holy Spirit divine illumination. And what a beautiful thing it is to have Jesus as your illuminator. What a beautiful thing it is to open up this book, this word, and all of a sudden, these things just pop out of the page. Oh, let me tell you, every time I open this book, I'm saying, Lord, you're the light of the world. You're my light. I'm just not reading this to get information. I'm reading this to get revelation. And for some of you, you need not more information. You don't need to come to church just to get another sermon. You need to come here with a hunger for revelation. You need to come with your hearts prepared. Lord, I just don't want to get another story. I just don't want to get another message, another sermon. I want to get illumination, revelation. Because this is what I've discovered. I've discovered that transformation is not produced by information. But it is produced by revelation. Once the light of God shines in your life and you get it, it's like, wow. And then the transformation takes place. And, and, and can, I pr- can I just say to you, with your friends that you're praying for, you know, yeah, it's good to give them information, but don't give them too much. You'll just drown them. Just give them a little bit and then pray, Holy Spirit, come and open that up. Give them revelation that they get it. Because once they get it, something happens. That's when the transformation takes place. Then Jesus says, and John puts this out, the third thing. He says, not only am I the bread of life, the light of the world, but I am the door. I I love this because the whole context of John chapter 10 is the sheepfold. And... And the sheepfold is where the sheep are kept. And Jesus says, I am the door. And I'm the door to this sheepfold. And, and those that come in through the door will, will, will be considered as the right ones. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm your access point. I'm your access point to the sheepfold Because it's in the sheepfold that you will find protection, that you will find nourishment, that you will find everything that every sheep needs from the good shepherd. I'm the door to to the access of all the goodness of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm building up to something, folks, really building up to something. That, that, that God wants you to access the sheepfold through Jesus. You don't come through the side. But Bible he is really clear about the thief comes only to rob, to kill, and destroy. And so there's this contrast between the devil and the contrast between Jesus. And that brings us to the next one. I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And so Jesus contrasts himself between the thief and the good shepherd, Satan and himself. And whatever is in your life that is destructive, whatever is in your life that causes you to be less comes from the enemy. Whatever in your life that builds up and causes you to be more comes from the good shepherd, comes from Jesus. And what a lot of people don't understand is that following Jesus will cause you to live your best life. Not a second-rate life, not a third-rate life, but your best life life, your best life. You know, this is so important that you get this. It's so important because too many people are running away from God 
run it, rather than running to God. Too many people have been given a lie. They've been given a lie. Uh, I, I saw this film once, and um, there was a solicitor chasing a guy down. Okay, but he had a guilty conscience. Because he had a guilty conscience, he thought the solicitor was chasing him down to give him a subpoena, take him to court, whatever. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't have to put up your hand. And so, uh, and so he's hiding, he's running, he's scared that, that wow, this thing, this subpoena is going to come and, and, and I'm going to lose everything that I have. And, but it, so, so there was the chase on. But finally, the solicitor caught him. And so he's cornered. And the solicitor says, I've been chasing you to give you this. And he puts it into his chest. He says, ah, I don't want it. He says, why wouldn't you want this? Well, because I know what it is. Do you? Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's a subpoena. You're going to take me to court. Well, we're going to take you to court, but it's actually an inheritance. Your name appears in a will and you've inherited an estate. And I've been chasing you down to give you your inheritance. He said, what's the moral of the story? Too many people are running away from God thinking that God's going to subpoena them to something terrible when God's chasing them down to bless them with an inheritance. Stop running from God. Stop and receive because God's got the best life to give you not to take away from you, but to give you. He's the good shepherd. The thief only comes, but to rob, to kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. So the, I'm the bread of life, your provider. I'm the light of the world, your illuminator. I'm the door, your access. I'm the good shepherd, your protector. Then, then Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I love this. I'm the resurrection and the life. Yahweh, resurrection and life. Jesus is the life giver. He's, he's come to give you abundant life. Then it moves on. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, I just love this. Because now it's direction. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Direction. One of the things that just eludes people is direction. You think about this. You've got some young people here today that are about to do their HSC and they're, and they're worried about direction in their life. What's my life going to go? Where, where, what's what's going to happen? Some of you are just at, at, at a crossroads and you're wondering, what's the direction? Some of you are confused. What's the direction? And here's Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I'm your guide through life. I'm your guide. Come on, just settle down. Know that this is God, that he wants to direct you through life. I, you know, I, I'm 58 years of age, and I discovered this revelation as a little kid. Just discovered it. It just became clear to me. And so, so my whole life, I've, I've got to this point where I've said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You direct me. I, I just got this revelation that God's got the best for my life. And so I've just pursued the things of God. Not straight to the left or to the right. Just pursued the things of God. And just, I just look at the blessing that's followed. I've just looked at the best life. Anne and I sit back every day and we say, 
we are blessed beyond measure. How did we end up here? And here's the simple answer. Just by following the guide. He's the way, the truth, and the life. How many of you quoted that many times? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But fail to see that if Jesus is the way, just follow him. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to take away your life. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you the truth. And he's going to maximize your life. And then the seventh revelation in John, I am the true vine. And, and the, the revelation here is your true success is only found when you're grafted in him. Because this whole um, context of John 15 is about producing fruit. It's about being fruitful. It's about being successful in life. And, and the whole context is, is I'm the vine and you need to be grafted into me so that what? So that my character, so that my DNA flows into you. I'm the root, I'm the vine, I'm the true vine. And when you're grafted in and planted into me, something of my nature will flow into you. And what will be produced out of your branch is good fruit. How many of you want good fruit in your life? Because true success is not how the world defines success, but as God defines success. You know, look, look the things of this world, they're just passing don't, don't fall in love with this world. Seriously, don't fall in love. You know, I find that God just blesses me with, with lots of material things. And I like them, but I don't love them. I love Jesus. So I, I like wearing nice clothes. I like wearing a nice watch. I, I like nice shoes. I like, I like that. But you know what? I don't have to have them. You know, it's like, I mean, I like them, but they don't possess my heart. And so God says, you can have a nice leather jacket, it's fine. You know, but as long as the leather jacket doesn't possess your heart, you can have it. You can drive a nice red convertible, it's okay. But as long as that doesn't possess you, and so, and so this is, I don't know why people have to say, I've got to, I've got to, Make these vows of poverty and just crawl on my hands and knees through life. That's one extreme. The other extreme is where you're just grabbing for stuff. Just grabbing. Always grabbing. Just, just, and, and you fall in love with money. You fall in love with materialism. And it possesses your heart. I want Jesus to possess my heart. And from day one, when Anne and I started ministry, God spoke to us and said, If you keep money out of your heart, I'll put it into your pocket. And that's exactly what we, we've experienced. We've experienced God's blessing. But you know what? God always tests to see whether it's in your heart by how generous you are. And so as soon as generosity ceases, oh, all of a sudden now it's got into your heart. Because, you, well, well, if I give to that, I won't have enough for me. Well, what is that? That's a test of God. Generosity is always a test to see whether it's in your heart or whether, you know, well, God, you put it there, and if you want it, you can have it. It's okay. It's not mine. It's yours. What I want is you. And when I've got you, I've got everything. I've got everything. I've, I've got the resource of the universe when I have you. You know, money versus God. God says, well, here, here's a million dollars, or you can have me. 
Why are you going to choose the million dollars or God? Because let me tell you, God's got more than a million. Hello. But too many people chase that rather than chasing him. See, that's the nature that comes out of the true vine. Oh, listen, my time is, is coming to a close. Are you getting anything out of this? Come on, I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my soul. I'm giving you everything. Okay, I've got to finish with this. How do you avail yourself to all these benefits of Yahweh, the I am? Are you ready for this? How do you avail? How do you get hold of this? Here it is, one word. You say, what, one word? By faith. That's how you avail. You, but let him ask in faith, in James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed. Let them not suppose they will receive anything from God. You want to receive these benefits from God. It's by faith. So the next question is, well, John, what's faith? Oh, I'm glad you asked that one because I'm, I'm, I'm just about to finish. I've got to give you this. What's faith? Two words. Believing. And behaving. See, faith is not just believing. Faith is a behavior. And this is where a lot of people miss it. They kind of think that faith is believing. No, it's a behavior as well as a belief. And so what you'll notice in the Bible is this, is that God just didn't reward belief. He rewarded behavior. When he saw behavior, come on, step out of the boat. Okay, do you believe? Yeah, I believe. Well, step out, behave, do something. Oh, okay. And then as soon as he stopped believing, he sunk. That's Peter when he was asked to step out of the boat. I love, I love, you know, uh, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And so the, the lame man believed and then behave by rising up and walking. And so what you see right throughout the Bible is, is Jesus actually saw people's faith, not just in their belief, but their behavior. She reached out and touched the hem of his garment. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Behavior, behavior, behavior. When Jesus saw bad behavior, he rebuked it. When he saw good behavior, he applauded it. So, so those of you that sit there and say, well, I believe that God can do a miracle, we'll do something about it. Come on, where's your behavior? Where's, where's something that proves that you have this? James says in James chapter 2, verse 20, faith without works is dead. Faith, belief without doing something is dead. You need the two ingredients to come together. And when those two ingredients come together, kaboom, that's when you have a reaction. And so you want anything from God. You've got to believe. You've got to behave. So what's your behavior like? Because as soon as you get all stressed out and anxious, wrong behavior. You say, what do I do? When this thing comes upon me, it's like, well, cast that spirit out. Just get to that spirit and say, spirit of stress, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I'm claiming a spirit of peace. I'm in my storm, but that storm is not going to stress me out because I believe that my Jesus is more powerful. You've got to talk yourself into it. You've got to pray yourself into it. You've got to believe yourself into it. And all of a sudden, something begins to change. Something begins to change. I- I've got to finish. I've got to finish. But, uh, but let me just finish by this. Okay, you ready for this? This is the boom. 
some people, the only access they have to Emmanuel, to Yahweh, is salvation from hell. It's like, I, I'm, I, I just don't want to go to hell. And, and I'll access God by faith just to believe that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. But you know what I found? I found that God with us says, yep, heaven is assured. But how about life now? How about God with us now? What about in your situation? What access of God do you need to tap into now? What are you facing now that you need Emmanuel, God with us? You need Yahweh, I am. What do you need now? Yes, praise God for salvation. Praise God for heaven. Praise God for the future. Praise God for the God will be with us. I love that. God will be with us. But the revelation is God with us now. How you're accessing that. How you're doing with that. There's an open checkbook opened up with your name on it. How are you accessing that? How you're tapping into that? The I am is with you right now in your situation. There is nothing too difficult for him. There is no situation beyond his control. There is nothing that he cannot do. How are you accessing that? Well, you just, well I'm living in hope that maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe God, maybe this, maybe Emmanuel, I am with you. Let's bow our heads for Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.